we are trained in medicine to be successful, to be superheroes, to uh, believe that we don't need help, that we don't have pain, that we don't need to go to the bathroom and we don't need to eat or sleep. And, and actually we celebrate uh, when we were awake for 30 hours. That, I remember those days, I will be so proud of myself. I didn't go back home for three days and I am dirty and I'm smelling and I eat only chocolate and you know what? Good day, good afternoon, or good evening. My name is Freeman Beals, entrepreneur and stress management coach, and this is From Stress to Success, unlocking the mindsets of high achievers. On today's episode, you are going to find out just how big the problem of burnout and stress really is, especially in the healthcare system where the drive to be a hero is incredibly strong. You're gonna hear about the importance of asking for help why you need to set goals and set boundaries, how you need to start getting used to change and how that might be a skill set, and the incredibly important concept of putting you first. So let's get started and discover how to conquer stress and achieve lasting success. So, Miriam, Dr. Z, you are a triple board certified physician, a certified mental health ally and uh, a wellness advocate. You're a member of so many boards. Uh, I'm going to try <laughs> to get some of them here, but there was a lot. You're a member of the Medical Women's Association. You're a member of the Wellness and Professional Fulfillment Committee. And you received a reward last year as the mentor of the year. Couple of years ago, recently, I yeah. <laughs> was it a couple of years ago? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I fly. <laughs> Yeah. And then most recently, which is very exciting, is that you've now become the best-selling author of the 3G cycle of life, the secrets for achieving joy, meaning, and well-being. So that was a list. And I just want to say, first off, thank you so much, Miriam, <laughs> for being here and coming on and talking to all of us because there is so many interesting things that I know we're going to chat about. So thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. You know that I love speaking with you and, and, and we are friends and it's such a pleasure to be here. Uh, I'm looking forward for the next few minutes. <laughs> I'm, I'm very excited. We've chatted a few times and from our first conversation, I think we were supposed to have maybe a half an hour conversation and it was <laughs> definitely longer than half an hour. And it was right from there where I was like, man, like, I need to get, you know, Miriam onto a podcast. At the time, it was a different podcast, and then we switched, and now we're on this one. Um, so it is, I'm really excited to get to get into some stuff today with you. Um, first off, I wanted to, so I had to look up what it meant to be a triple certified board physician. I was like, <laughs> what does that even mean? Um, so learning, which is good. Now, so I found out that it means that you studied three different specialities when you were studying. So I'm curious on what were those three specialities that you kind of were drawn to? So internal medicine, which is everything in your body, right? It's kind of the, the, the work that in, in the U.S. does the, the primary care physician. Uh, geriatrics, that is almost similar, but this is specific for elderly patients, 65 and above. Uh, a little more complex because you see the end of life also as part of the 
of, of the, you know, the typical routine with patients, if, if you want to say so. And lately, obesity medicine, uh, that was something that I was very interested since since I was in Peru, like even there, I was doing research on, on obesity and, and I felt that it was natural to add it to, to my, my background, uh, especially because of the high levels of obesity and metabolic uh, disturbance that we see in, in our population. So those are mm -hmm. the three. <laughs> that was the three. And when you, was that, was that always the goal? Like when you were young, were you like, I'm going to, I'm going to be a doctor and I'm going to do these things or like, what was, how did it come about? <laughs> so the truth is that, uh, I, <laughs> I wanted to save the world and I wanted to be a psychologist or, and, you know, work with people. I, I was more interested in the mental, emotional aspect than, than really medicine. Uh, I used to faint, uh, with blood, uh, Wow. terrified about needles is still now <laughs> I, don't I was, like was going to say is that still a problem <laughs> well i can see blood now uh <laughs> very normally uh but uh i'm still very afraid of needles um yeah, I, I don't like shots in any way that's funny <laughs> um and uh, when I decided, well, I didn't decide, when my best friend um, confronted me with the idea of instead of being a psychologist, being a psychiatrist, so we can be together in medical school, and I went to see my parents and tell them about the story, uh, they almost had a heart attack. Uh, they said no, and that's the only thing that you need to tell uh, an adolescent, no. So they will do yes. So, <laughs> so uh, that was the reason uh, that uh, you know, or the way I entered into medical school for for the wrong reasons maybe, but ended to mm -hmm. be the best decision of my life at that at that time. <laughs> yeah, it's so hard looking forward, right? Is the concept that a lot of people talk about, but it's so hard when you look forward to understand the implications of what you're about to do. You only really see it when you turn around and, and kind of look backwards. I'm really curious. So I've, I read your book um, and it was amazing and I really like it. There's a lot of interesting Thank concepts you. in the book that I was taking notes and I was highlighting <laughs> things. Uh, and I, I, I flagged a bunch of pages. The whole concept of the book um, is this 3G cycle, right? Is goals, grit and grow. That's kind of the, the three Gs. My question to you is really why did you write the book? Because I needed, I, I really needed uh, to write it in, in many levels. I, and in many levels that I didn't even know. I started this book as my only way to advocate, to be vocal and loud about a problem that uh, for me, was very important. Uh, not only the the high levels of suicide, depression, anxiety that we see in general population in the U.S. after and before COVID, but specifically for the high levels that physicians were, you know, uh, confronting of suicide, depression, burnout. Uh, I was upset with the system. I was upset with the the lack of I don't know if interest, but engagement uh, from the same healthcare uh, physicians and healthcare workers on, on, on trying to change this. Uh, 
and, and, and writing was a way to create or raise awareness and, and, and get attention. Uh, the book was supposed to be something very negative and, uh, as I said, an elegant tantrum. Uh, but uh, at, at that point, the book was about burnout and the broken system and blah, blah, blah. Uh, very interestingly, and now that you, wrote, you read the book, you know that that's not the book <laughs> anymore. Mm. It's actually the opposite. And, and what I didn't know while I was writing the book is that I will be able to find myself my real self, I will be able to recover, you know, my own values and, and, and the love for things that were important for me. And, and that that book, and that's why I say I needed that, that, that book opened my eyes to mm. a different way to live my life and, and, and a different way for probably others to live their lives also. So yeah. uh, the same like in medical school, I started this for the wrong reason <laughs> or in the very bizarre way. Uh, but probably it's the same message from the book, right? You don't necessarily uh, need to uh, start a project uh having the wing cart in front of you sometimes you will be in front of challenges and, and difficult situations and and those are the ones that allow you to grow more and to learn more and to to achieve you know better better things yeah. for the future yeah it's just in a lot of ways it's the process of doing just just starting right and and doing it's interesting that you it's not even interesting. It's almost fascinating that you wrote the boat book almost for yourself in a way, right? You're like, this is something that I needed. And I'm really glad that you said that because I remember when I was reading the book, um, as a physician, you've obviously been in this world for a long time. So now, and I know in there, you wrote a lot about kind of seeing that impact of the burnout of the depression. What were some of the things for you that were kind of like, I need to help solve these problems like what were the red flags that started you really on that path i i believe that there was one there were many reasons and many red flags but there is one that for me is still terrifying and, and i believe that that was actually the that was the moment uh i read an article about a physician mother uh a little younger than myself uh, with three kids. The last one was a baby and she, without having any red flags, she died by suicide mm. uh, during COVID. Um, she was not the first woman or first mother in medicine and not the first physician for sure. But for some reason, I felt very connected with her and the the question that i asked myself that day uh was why not me mm. and why not me why what what is different between her and, and me and my life and my we have the same career we're almost the same age we have kids at home small kids at home right we are married uh, we are successful, supposedly a smart woman, yeah. right? Yeah, the, the parallels were me. quite intense. Yeah, and why not me? Yeah. What what is what and when someone will see the last drop? When 
I will see my last drop. Is this something mm. that is coming? I will be able to notice that it's coming. How do I avoid that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and what's scary because what you hear from men is that they they don't show any red flags that this is something that just happened. Nobody noticed that something was wrong with that person. Yeah, you see it a lot with unfortunately with a lot of suicide cases and. The big ones that people, you know, are probably aware of are obviously a lot of the celebrity cases, right? That's the biggest one that always stands out to me was Robin Williams, right? Very happy comedian, made people laugh all the time, and then unfortunately took his own life. And it, yeah, you're right. It very much is that it's, there's nothing that really kind of gives it away outwardly, right? People hold so much in. Um, And like you said, both of you were successful in the eyes of other people and happy lives and stuff like that. So that's really, it's really moving that you had that realization to go, hold on, like, am I on the same path? And at what point in time does it, does it do yeah. that? So what are some of the things that you began when you began to look into that and go, okay, like I need to potentially fix these. What were some of the things that you started with? So first I needed to educate myself because burnout was a term that I didn't recognize. I didn't know about it until probably three years ago or four years ago. I mm-hmm. didn't know that it existed. It was um, just stress and that where there was no yeah, other kind stress, of stress, but not, not burnout and then moral injury, right? So I started to learn a new vocabulary suddenly uh, and to learn the the magnitude of the problem when when you see 56%, 60% of doctors are burned out, 30% are clinically depressed, 400 die by suicide every year. Uh, So that was like, okay, I need to understand this a little better. Mm -hmm. I, in order to do that, I got certified as a mental health ally and I joined this training to be a physician, a wellness advocate, um, which was very interesting because from, you know, in, in six months of training, it took me four months to realize that I was burned out too. So it's not only that I didn't know that burnout existed or I didn't understood uh, what was going on in general is like I was unable to recognize that I was a victim of it too and that's mm. a red flag because how many of us we are you know walking like zombies in our lives without even knowing that we need some help uh, yeah. so that was something extra that that was uh, interesting for me um, and, and last but not least when I uh, I started to see you know through the problem and understand that the problem was bigger than what I mm-hmm. thought, I noticed that I was very lonely in the place where I was, uh, that I didn't have allies in the place that I was working, uh, that majority of physicians were not uh, aware of the problem or didn't have the intention to do something about it. So I truly, I entered in LinkedIn. At that point, I didn't have not even 100 uh, contacts and I started to look for people that will have well-being or wellness in their you know in their CVs uh, and start like please help me I need to understand I need to learn I need to understand And, and that's how the process of healing without even knowing started for me and hopefully for for others too um you there's a couple of things in there that I that I want to 
get into. Um, the first one is you talked about how like you weren't even aware that you were kind of also suffering from burnout. And it's interesting. Just this morning, I read that it wasn't until 2019 that the World Health Organization even recognized burnout as a clinical d disease, essentially, yeah. and an illness that you can have, which is kind of alarming when you think about it because of all the implications it has. But you also mentioned in there that you were in the space of physicians and doctors and people who are driven. And we were talking before we started recording about this, actually, that you would define yourself as a workaholic. And I'm <laughs> sure many people in that field would as well, right? They're, they're doctors, they're physicians, they want to help people. And they feel like the more that they can help people, that kind of, it's almost like their purpose in life. And then you wrote about this in the book as well, that there's almost like an addiction to that. Oh, yes. Uh, I believe it's, it's more than uh, almost an addiction. I believe that it's a real addiction. I mean, you, mm -hmm. you get addicted to this dopamine and, and you know, an adrenaline. You need it. Uh, um, uh, we are trained in medicine to be successful, to be superheroes, to uh, believe that we don't need help, that we don't have pain, that we don't need to go to the bathroom and we don't need to eat or sleep. And and actually we celebrate uh, when we were awake for 30 hours. That, I remember yeah. those days, I will be so proud of myself. I didn't go back home for three days and I am dirty <laughs> and I'm smelling and I eat only <laughs> chocolate. And you know what? Uh, that's awesome. I'm becoming a good doctor. Right? Yeah. Um, and, Look how and, much I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the doing, 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 doing. Right. The the idea of of, of being busy just for be, being busy. Um, of course, that there are there there are other things that happen, right? And and that's why you don't notice that that this is not necessarily the best behavior or habit. It's like you are learning, you are celebrating mm -hmm. with others, you are helping, you are saving lives. So you receive that aspect of medicine too. It's exciting, um, it, but it's not healthy, right? The one thing is exciting and the other is it's healthy, it's correct. It's not, especially long-term. Um, but the truth is that you are surrounded by that. And that's the only thing that you know. In, in Latin America and other countries in Europe, if I'm not wrong, and in India, for example, also, uh, you go to medical school directly from a school. So you don't have to have this pre-med, meaning that you are 17 or 18 and you are already in medical school, right? Um, and for eight years or seven years, but anyway, you are there seeing sometimes even patients and etc. And you don't have your prefrontal lobe developed. You are still an adolescent at that age, right? Yeah. You are not mature. You have nothing about life. And, and and the only thing that you see is people behaving like that. So you copy that and you believe that is right and that's the only way. And in some way, in this country, this idea that in any career, right, but especially in the high high-level careers, you need to be the first one, the number one, the best, 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 mm -hmm. best, 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 and study, 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 study. So that happens anyway, even if you are not in medicine. So you are already doing that anyway uh, at young age, and you yeah. don't see better. Yeah, and it's, it is, and I'm glad you said that because it's such a prominent thing 
in society right now, right? And it's changing, thankfully, it's starting to, but I know certainly I when I was growing up, it was the same thing, right? It was like, oh, I've worked X amount of hours and I'm only sleeping this much and I'm, look how hard I'm pushing. And, you know, sure, maybe in a short term, you know, you might achieve something, but it's not it's not sustainable and it never will be, right? Yeah, life is not a sprint. And, and we don't know that mm. uh, when we are young, uh, it's a marathon. And yeah. um, we need to, to develop a skills to be able to keep, you know, the rhythm during the next 50, 60, 70 years. Uh, so and, and it's something that we are not doing. We are burning ourselves um, too early. And, mm. and what happens is that chronic stress has medical consequences, right? We are really changing not only the biochemistry of our brain, which is already a big problem because mental health issues are the result of that. And, and we know that that is a big problem in the US. 46,000 uh, suicides per year in this country. And um, from them, 500 are kids between six and nine years old. So we are talking about my baby, the ages of my mm -hmm. babies. Um, that's, that tells you something, right, about how, how bad uh, the, the mental health uh, aspect is, is right now in the U.S. But yeah. uh, besides that, uh, you have then the consequences of cardiovascular disease, uh, increased risk of certain cancers, uh, and you will not see the consequences in the next few months. It's something that you will see when you are 50 or you are 60, mm -hmm. right? It's decades later when you see, oh, that person has a heart infarct, <laughs> but this is skinny, doesn't smoke, right? Stress. stress. <laughs> Chronic stress. Yeah. It is, it is, and it probably goes into that kind of idea that when we're younger, we tend to think of ourselves as invincible, right? <laughs> You're like, yeah, I can, I can work 20 hours a day and I can sleep four hours a night and it's going to be fine. But like you said, you're going to, that's going to come and it's going to get you like far more so than, you know, a lot of other bad habits necessarily might, might compound on top. Your, your book is focused around something that I think will help people with this. And it's a, the concept that I pulled away from it the biggest that I still use when I'm talking with my clients, when I'm thinking about things each day. And it's this concept of cycles, right? <laughs> and how, and I think this is why I want to bring this up is because if we are on a marathon, right, how can we ensure that we are, you know, looking after ourselves and doing the things and, and still and still growing and stuff like that. So we mentioned earlier that there's the three G's, the, the yeah. goals, the grit, or the yeah, goals, grit and growth. Yeah. So can you expand on those a little bit? And just that concept that you write about in the book around living in cycles and stuff like that? Yeah, I, I believe that we don't live in a linear way. Um, I believe that we are a little more complex like that and that in some way we replicate nature. If you think about basic things in nature, day and night, uh, <laughs> the years, right? Yeah, uh, the moon. Even, yeah, the seasons, pollination, the way that we produce energy in our bodies, the Krebs cycle. Um, yeah. 
any hormone uh, in our body, we work based on cycles, really. That's, that's the way that we manage uh, the nature and, uh, and our life in general. So we, we experiment cycles all the time. So for me, it's not weird uh, to think about my life as, as a sequence of different cycles. Mm-hmm. Um, and each of these cycles has in science has similar components that are repetitive, right? And for me, the three components, the three most important components of my cycles are these three Gs. I feel like I start every cycle with a goal. And this goal could be set by myself, like I want to go to Italy, <laughs> or I want to write a book, <laughs> or I need to finish a school. If not, my dad will strangulate me, but you know, <laughs> uh, or in some societies, you have to have kids at this age, or you have to find a job at this other, right? So mm-hmm. sometimes these are, are, are mandatory, <laughs> sometimes are your dreams. But but I believe that we, all of us, we start each of our cycles, each of our times in life, right? Our chapters in our life with a goal, something that we need to achieve. Then the question is, how do you navigate the cycle, right? How do you get to that goal? And and I feel like grit is, right, uh, the way to go. For me, that's my fuel, is my inner energy, mm. my motivation, uh, how I, I keep going, my perseverance. You can call it in so many ways. But what I discovered during the book writing process, and probably during my last couple of years, is that sometimes grit comes from yourself from you know inside of you but sometimes you need this group of people community mentors uh, friends family cheerleaders to remind you about that grid right how many times you are in the process and you are very excited but you get tired or something happens and you feel like a stop and and it's not wrong to ask for help and it's not wrong to have cheerleaders reminding you about you know what you are trying to to achieve and i feel that 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 comes with vulnerability and with social relationships and and, and you know human contact so i believe that it's that aspect that part of the cycle is very important and then in theory you close a cycle uh, achieving the goal but reality is that many times or we change our minds and we don't care about the goal anymore right oh i want to marry that girl right she's so beautiful and suddenly uh, you change your mind and you are married someone totally different right or i want that car or that job uh i wanted to be a psychologist right and i ended being a physician (laughs) who knows um sometimes you achieve your goal but not necessarily at the first attempt, right? You apply for a job and you cannot do it and you apply again and oh, finally you have, you know, a a different uh, type of interview or you got a master before the second interview and and now you are ready for it. And sometimes Mm. you could be in the cycle again and again and again, you know, and, and it's your time to decide, do I, stay here and then I burn out, I get stressed, I get furious, I got depressed or do I set myself, you know, in a different direction and I set a new goal, an upgraded goal because this is not something that I will be able to achieve no matter what. Mm -hmm. Um, So what happened in any of these scenarios is if you allow it, (laughs) is you learn something, Yeah. right? 
you you develop new skills you you discover things about yourself that you didn't know you you find out that you have some kind of a special powers right and that is growth that is mm -hmm. just growth and is getting prepared to the next challenge or the next goal on the next chapter of your life or cycle uh, being a better version of yourself i like that you use growth with that and you also alluded to in there about like letting yourself grow and letting yourself yeah. be aware of that growth because it's easy to get caught in that perpetual motion machine right of just like goal grit goal grit goal grit i'm never like i'm never growing to make that next that next jump so it's it's i think that's a really powerful piece to it to include in there um with that kind of concept there that you talk about in your in your opinion with um that kind of cycle because you kind of said it in there where you're like oh how do i how do i know when it's time to leave that cycle right because you're like yeah. if you stay in it you risk kind of burnout depression and growth so how when how do you know when it's time to and how do you kind of make the step out of it that's a big question <laughs> so i am very stubborn and i uh it takes me a lot of time uh, to take that, these type of decisions. I need to admit that. Uh, <laughs> and that's probably the reason why I, I got burned out. Um, big part is because I have the hope that things will change, right? This idea that I can change others or I can change situations that are outside myself. Mm. I believe that, that the best way to to cut a cycle that is not working is to set boundaries. First, first to set clear goals, right? Because when you set, set a clear goal, you also are adding a time frame. Uh, so adding this time frame, like I will try, I know that it's difficult. For, reality case of reality mm -hmm. i came to this country right um 11 or 12 years ago now to start from zero i was supposed to apply to medical training again right to be able to recover <laughs> my title of a physician and and i i knew that i will not go to new york or alaska or any place i came here because of my husband so i need to apply only to miami and in miami there were at that point Two programs so while everybody applies to 100 programs to get a, a position as a resident i was applying to two programs and now i'm having the conversation with my husband that this is probably impossible what we will do if this doesn't happen so we were saying well we will try one time we will try a second time if this doesn't work plan b you will be something extra mm -hmm. right uh so that's what i am talking about about you know, time frames, clear goals, uh, setting boundaries, what I will not, if I get sick while I, I am studying and I get, uh, you know, traumatized and I'm suffering, okay, that, that may be one boundary, right? Mm -hmm. If we don't have the money for, because it's so expensive, that may be the boundary. So mm -hmm. I feel like those are things that we need to set the, since the beginning. And, and I always say that life is like, um, for those that like to play or that understand a little uh, uh, to play chess, life is like playing chess. A good, a good competitor, uh, right, will know the next seven, eight movements mm -hmm. and will have 
plan B, C, D for each of them, uh, right? Uh, that's, yeah. that's kind of the, so if you play life in a way that like you play, uh, you know, chess, so you know that, okay, you want that movement and you want my, make this right right now, but but probably you will need to go to plan B or plan C and, and have it ready. So you mm -hmm. manage your own expectations, you manage your own stress, and, and you are not feeling that you are failing. If you were not able to achieve plan A, but you can achieve plan B, you can achieve plan C. It's, it's less yeah. traumatic. It's, it's less malignant, right? Than, yeah. That's a really interesting way of putting it. And I hadn't really thought of this until you, you brought it up like that, that it's think of it like a chess game. I grew up working in the tourism industry as a whitewater rafting guide. And it's very similar in that sense where it's like, you have a goal essentially, as in like, get the boat down the river. That's your goal. <laughs> but if you only fixate on doing it in one way, if that way goes awry, you're in trouble and it, very much so like especially you know what i mean like we i had to be aware of like okay cool like if i don't do this thing if something happens out of my control in my control whatever i need to know how to pivot and i need to have my contingency plans mm -hmm. at least in some degree um very similar to what kind of you said there and i think we need to think about goals in life is, is that as well where it's like because a lot of people get fixated on a thing being a certain way at a certain time and it, it you know um but it's like no like you can pivot a little bit and you talked about that a lot there where it's like yeah no we need to adjust and adjust and adjust and have all these other these yeah and it's so important it's so difficult for people like me i i don't like change or i use to avoid change i mm -hmm. you know uh something that makes me uncomfortable change right now i i I changed that actually, and I now I am embracing change, and I am kind of like going for it. But I have been very afraid of change of my all my life. Uh, so you need to develop skills that help you to minimize the stress. And and mm -hmm. probably the first question is, what are you afraid of, right? Why are you so afraid of this type of change? Um, in my case, with my previous job, I was more than afraid. I was thinking that I cannot disappoint. I don't want the, to disappoint certain people. I, I don't want to, uh, to to let some people without certain type of protection or something. And I was so focused on that, that everything else was collapsing around me. And, and I was just seeing 1% of the complete story. Uh, when I realized that there was another 99% <laughs> of the story and that there were other ways to help, other ways to protect, other ways to be present without involving me suffering or being burned out, I just like, oh my goodness, why did I do this for so many years? Why? I did, like, like, really? <laughs> was, this was not so difficult, you know? Um, and, and I believe that that's, that's that starts with a change in our mentalities. Our mindset needs to change. We need to start being more open-minded and discover, okay, mm -hmm. what's plan B, what's plan C? And what's the worst scenario? Oh, the worst scenario is be ready for it because maybe it's coming, but maybe not. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, again, there's another correlation there with 
with rafting that the same thing i had to prepare for the worst but um but not necessarily fixate on it you mentioned that you kind of got better at being open to change and began to sort of really build kind of that resiliency a bit more to stress kind of on, on a daily what are some of the things that you do on a on a daily basis or even a, a weekly basis that help you be more open to change be more resilient because a lot of them are kind of easier and more efficient than a lot of people think and especially for somebody like you who as we said is a workaholic likes to work <laughs> a lot what are some of the things that you do that enable you to work a lot but still be open to change and resilient to stress so um i i believe that is more than what is not what i am doing is what i am feeling oh. uh let me explain i i used to like many others uh especially in leadership positions and especially when you are a woman or an immigrant that you need to to, to you know to use a mask or or high heels and whatever to look like you have the power or that you are strong or etc i used to walk in a daily basis with my mask uh, and I used to uh, feel obligated to be always happy, always ready, always there for others, uh, not, not to make mistakes, not to say no, etc. Mm. So when I changed that feeling and when I admitted that I am not perfect, when I admitted that I have bad days too, and some days you don't use makeup and you don't want the high heels, <laughs> you know, the day that I, I remove the mask and I allow myself to be myself, mm. uh, my life changed tremendously. I remove a big stress from my shoulders because I was not living my life to prove anything to others anymore uh, because the pressure of being acting in my life instead of living my life was too much especially during COVID I mean that pressure was beyond what any of us was ready to deal with mm -hmm. uh, and when I I discovered that people was ready to accept my real me you know uh and nothing wrong was happening. Uh, and those that didn't like me, well, okay, they, they left and, and, and they were not many. So, yeah. uh, and I like me the way I am right now. I mean, I will change here and there probably, but, but you know, I can live with myself without the mask, <laughs> without mm -hmm. the, the, the acting. So, for the weight, yeah. Oh my goodness, it's absolutely a different. That reduced tremendously your stress, that, that allows you to to embrace change because you are not afraid of making mistakes anymore mm. because you are are kind of uh, admitting being silly and laughing about you know these things that happen to you and and, and saying like ah oh, well i will learn from that one too right yeah. uh, and, and you have more humor in life and, and you can laugh about yourself that's that's not what you do it's how you feel about yourself what makes you embrace change that that's really powerful because i think we we tend to get fixated on um 
you know, what it is that we're doing. But yeah, I think when you focus on how you're feeling, it, it really starts to change things. And being aware of being honest with your feelings to yourself, I think is something that people need to really pay attention more to and, and look at, right? And I think it's so great that you said there, you're like, oh, as soon as I gave yourself permission to do that, you realize that, you know, the outcome wasn't anything like you thought it would be. You're like, oh, this is good. Like, I feel better. Some Maybe some of the people in my life stepped back a little bit, but you're probably better off not having those people. Then. If those yes. people were only there for the mask that you were wearing, well, then maybe they shouldn't have been there anyways. Yeah, yeah and, and this has a very interesting collateral effect or butterfly effect. When you're in a leadership position, right, or someone like you, uh, that you have access to so many individuals around you through, through the podcast, for example, right? So much power, that, that gives you so much power in, in so many levels. Uh, at the moment that you are you, and that uh, you are not acting anymore, and that you are allowing you to be you know, goofy here, and make mistakes there, and mm -hmm. just try, you know, if it's needed. Uh, what happens is that in some way you are giving permission which is not needed, by the way. We should not receive permission to be ourselves back. We are, in some way, giving permission to others to be themselves too. Yeah. Nobody will come to you as a leader, right? As an employee or, or a student come to you uh, and say, I am afraid of, or I am very tired uh, when they see you like the super person, right? A super leader, they never tire, always with makeup. Uh, they will not come to admit that they are not having a good day. Mm. But the day that they notice that you have bad days too, it's probably easier, yeah. right? To think that someone will come to you and tell you, you know what? I noticed that the other day you, you were having a bad day and, and you were so normal about that. And thank you for sharing because today I'm having a bad day and I, I thought that maybe you will allow me to share with you a little more. Yeah. yeah, It adds almost like a level of, of humanity to it all, right? Like it shows, hey, I'm not perfect, so it's okay that if you're not perfect. And I think that that's a really important thing that we probably should be doing more in society is showing, I don't want to call them our imperfections because I don't feel like that's quite the right term. I feel like it's just more of us. It's just who we are as human beings, right? Like these, this is what it means to be a human. And this is what it, you know, and yeah, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to fall down and, you know, and that's okay. I have a, a, a big question here that I like to kind of start to bring, bring us to a close with. And that is, what does success look like to you? I believe I mentioned that in the book. I'm not sure if right now I will answer the same that, uh, that I wrote. Uh, I, I don't remember exactly what I wrote, so which is great. Let's see. Uh, being able to see myself in the mirror and, and feel proud of what mm. I am, the way that I feel, the things that I do, um, will be probably the number one. And having my kids to grow happy, healthy um, will be the second one. Yeah. But I it's interesting that. that I'm saying this in this order, which is a very big change, which my, you know, with my normal behavior, uh, I never used to put myself first. 
And it's not that I don't love my kids or or I don't love others <laughs> right now, uh, but um, I cannot be a good mother. And finally, I learned that. And I cannot be a good doctor and I cannot be a good leader. I cannot be a, a good absolutely anything if I am not happy and healthy, if I am not mm. okay. And I have been pushing myself during decades, trying to be okay for others and, you know, putting myself in the age, like kind of surviving, uh, but that's not sustainable. It, it, you pay for it a lot. Um, yeah. And I believe that right now I understand that that needs to change. It's not easy to change it. It's not changed completely yet. <laughs> it's a process. It will take time and effort, but at least I can understand that has a value. <laughs> yeah. It'll, it'll take that cycle of, of your three G's, right. To, to get there. Oh, it will take a lot of cycles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, that's a really powerful point. And I think one thing that I kind of landed on a while ago is that you, especially people who are very empathetic and very much givers, it can be really hard to remember that you need to look after you as well. And if you, the better that you can be, the better that you can help others. And that's what I always try to remind myself of, right? Um, but it's tough. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough because we were trained in that way. We, you, you I, yeah. I, I may be wrong with the, these examples. I, I didn't know these individuals in the personal level, but you will not imagine Gandhi or, or you know, or, Mother Teresa, uh, you know, eating first <laughs> and then exactly. giving to others, yeah. right? It's like something that uh, we will never imagine, uh, but probably will be the correct thing to do, right? It's first oxygen for you, for you, and then for yes, you, and then the person, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and in some way, many of us uh, in the world of service, right? And you don't need to be a physician or a psychologist or a teacher. Is anybody that is a servant leader, mm. we have been thinking that we need to serve, 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 and then take care of ourselves. And we used to feel guilty about taking care of ourselves. That was the concept. Mm. Uh, and, and it was a, a concept that is absolutely wrong, right? I don't know who created it, but we have been doing that for decades. Uh, and, and, and we can tell that it's not working, <laughs> right? Uh, so we need to change that. Yeah. We need to feed ourselves, not only with food, but also with, you know, emotional energy. So we mm. can actually give something better to others. I read something and I, I'm sure I am destroying the, that phrase because the phrase was beautiful, but I, I, I cannot remember the phrase. Uh, but I remember the, the topic. Uh, if you are not full, what you are doing is giving just your extras, the rest that you have to others, because you have nothing else to give. And that's not yeah. fair for others. That's not you're not, a, you're not giving your best because you're not, you don't have it. No. Yeah. And that's not a demonstration of love. That's powerful. That's, oof. there are so many things that I, I want to dive in with this, but um, I, I will have to to wrap up here with the last question that I like to ask people. Um, 
and this one is sort of like you know you, you I'm, I'm gonna give you like a sentence to kind of try to get in or sentence or two <laughs> but let's say for example um you know you have you can't give any information to the world you you give you get one to two sentences that you can explain to somebody how they can reduce their stress and achieve more success in life what are those one to two sentences okay i will not be original i will steal this from my seven now it's nine year old boy this is your life this is your choice this is your journey and i will add to that enjoy it embrace it yeah that's when you sit with that for a second that's from a seven-year-old that's he was seven (laughs) when he said that yes Wow. You have a little inner philosopher running around your house, apparently. It's even in the book, in the first page, I believe, uh, or second page of the book, I I had that phrase there uh, because it's, for me, it's impressive and and means so many things. Uh, But that's the reality. This life belongs to each of us, and we have the inner power to make it as good as we want. We can decide to be empowered or we can decide to be victims. That's a decision. Yeah, that's a, that's an important decision. And, um, I hope that, I hope that everybody listening when this ends, that you take a couple seconds to do that, give, give that some thought, right? Like, what is it that you're, that you're doing and how do you hope to empower others and, and I'll then go and read, you know, the 3d cycle of life. Um, but yeah, if you've enjoyed this conversation, um, and you're listening, first off, thank you so much for spending your time with us today and taking time out of your day to listen to the two of us. I hope you got some value out of here. I hope you took some notes as well. (laughs) Go check out 3g cycle of life. I'm going to throw a link to the Amazon link down below. You can go and order that, um, and follow Dr. Z wherever, wherever you're, she's at on LinkedIn. Um, and is there anything else that people should know about you? Um, or places to find you? Well, uh, please contact me. I would love to meet you. I would love to learn from you. I would love to interact. Uh, the best thing that happened to me during these last two years uh, while writing the book and learning has been uh, to create uh, an amazing network of, of new friends and, and uh, new people that is motivating me and inspiring me like like you, <laughs> oh, well, uh, Freeman. You. <laughs> uh, so knock my door in LinkedIn. I'm waiting. <laughs> awesome. And the link for that guy, like I said, will be below in the description of this. So go on there, click on there, follow Dr. Z on LinkedIn, um, get her book. You won't regret it. It's a hundred percent worth <laughs> a, a, a read or you can get it on the Kindle, I believe as well, right? It's on both yes. the book and, and, um, and the actual book. So yeah, go grab those guys. Again, thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, guys, go check out the other ones on the show. And if there's somebody that you think that should be on this show, also send me a message. There'll be a poll here in the thing and type that in there. I'm curious to see who you guys want to hear me talk to next. Again, thank you so much, Miriam, for coming on the show. Thank I you. had so much fun today. <laughs> and uh, there's so much more that I want to get into. And we're probably going to have to have you on as a repeat guest at some point in time because awesome. <laughs> there's so many questions and things that I was like, oh, there's spots, but I have to, to control. So thank you so much. And everybody out there, again, thank you for listening. Go out, have a great day. Most importantly, make somebody smile today. 